Frank, stop playing VR and get onto this podcast recording. Stop it. I'll stop Fortniteing. You stop zooming around in space in your Oculus and let's let's record this podcast, okay? Okay, good. I was getting a little queasy there, so I did kind of need to stop. So what are we going to talk about tonight, James? Well, I wanted to open up first with a short little VR space. We've talked about <laughs> awesome. AR and VR and mixed reality. <laughs> now, you got an Oculus Rift. Is that correct? I have an Oculus Rift, but I actually just got an Oculus Go. I've wanted one for a long time, and finally I decided I'm getting myself a Christmas present, and I got myself an Oculus Go, and I kind of love it. What's a Go and what's a Rift and what's the difference? I hate VR, so yeah. explain. Okay. So, <laughs> they're both VR goggles, uh, both by Oculus, which is actually Facebook. So ugh, I'm buying Facebook products, but whatever. Ignore that part. <laughs> uh, my whole thing is John Carmack works there, and I'm a John Carmack fanboy. So I just mm. love getting that kind of stuff. So Oculus Go is a VR headset that's um, an all-in-one. So you don't have any wires coming off the back of your head which is a terrible feature of the Oculus Rift. The one that you mentioned previously is the Rift you hook up to a giant PC with a giant video card and you run Windows and it's very complicated. Uh, the Go just simplifies everything. It's actually Android OS and oh. you're using, yeah, you uh, write apps and you can use OpenGL or Vulkan or uh, WebVR. So you can do like HTML games. And it's just super nice, super light. It's great. They're going to have a higher-end one coming out this year, 2019, called the Oculus something. <laughs> I should have really thought that sentence through before I began it. Quest, Oculus Quest, I believe. And that one will also be wireless. So we're in a nice age where we're getting rid of the wires. It's cool. Very interesting. I will say that I got to play with the Rift, which is the big beefy one with all the things. I've also played with the Vive, which I also enjoyed. Now, I played a few different games. I played that one with the music and the lightsabers. Very fun. <laughs> and I, I don't even know that one. That sounds fun, though. Anything with lightsabers. I love swords in VR. Oh, it's a music rhythm game, which is my fancy. Straight up. It's my favorite thing. And you have your two controllers in your right and left hand, and they turn into lightsabers, essentially, for all purpose, yeah, you know, all intentional sure. purposes. Copyright, without the trademark, etc. Lucasfilms. And <laughs> uh, you, these blocks come at you in 3D space to the music, and you have to slice them and whack oh, yeah. them. Oh, yeah. It's very cool. Okay, Fruit Ninja, but with lightsabers. Love it. That That's exactly what it is. Uh, and then <laughs> okay. I played Super Hot, which I have to imagine you know what Super Hot is. Oh, uh, see, I'm not I'm not hip to the culture. Yo, uh, tell me, James. <laughs> Super hot is a first person first person VR shooter game where time moves when you move. Love it. And enemies are coming at you in the 3D space and you have to move and punch them or shoot them or pick up things that throw them at them. And this is the part in time of VR that I started to feel very uncomfortable since inside of VR, unlike mixed reality, inside of VR, there's still a physical world around you. You just can't see it. And when things are coming yeah. at you in 3D space, you start punching walls and falling over <laughs> couches. And I'm in a big room and I all of a sudden, the first time I backed up and then I hit my butt down on the couch, I was very safe. 
I was like, I don't feel comfortable anymore. So that's my VR See, experience. I'm never in a big room. I'm always in my tiny little apartment in a cramped space. So I'm constantly knocking into things and hitting things. So I have this like feel around with my foot before I move or anything. But actually a feature, no, actually a bug of the Oculus Go is it's only, they call it three degrees of freedom. So it's only checking the orientation of your head and not the position of your head. And it's just a limitation of the device. And the Oculus Quest, along with the Vive and the Rift, actually, yeah, you can move around the room and you move around the 3D world. And it's actually probably the biggest problem in VR games and things like this is movement in not just the physical world, but in the VR world. Um, It turns out if you allow people to just run around like in a first-person shooter, everyone gets sick. It just happens. And so everyone's trying to solve the how do you move around in a 3D world problem, and they come up with funny features. And that's what I was thinking when you're talking about that time-shifting thing. Uh, I bet you that's a nice way to get around that. If you slow motion down, then maybe you don't get quite so seasick so quickly. Yeah, the slower and less movement that you have to do, then it evens out. Yeah, your your eyes aren't tracking a billion pixels moving very rapidly on the screen. Now, since it's, this episode has turned into a VR episode at this point, <laughs> uh, question for you. You in the past have sort of got into the AR space with ARKid and, and some of the, you've always been interested in, in VR. Now, since Oculus Go, for all intentional and for all purposes, really, of thinking about it, to me is strapping a smartphone to your face because it runs Android or there's a Google app or an Android app. So does that mean you can just develop a Android app and it runs on the Go or is it still PC hardware inside hybrid thingy? Uh, it very much does feel like a Samsung, Samsung S something strapped mm. to your head. It, I mean, I don't know why it has that feel. Maybe it's just, you know what it is? It's the alert boxes and the OK cancel boxes. They look very Android-y. So it feels like you're, you know, that's when you feel the most Android-y on it. Um, as far as I can tell, as long as you can write an Android app, you can deploy to it. Now, Oculus has its own store and you have to go through a review process there. I don't know if anyone's tried to get like a Xamarin app through and if they have any strange dumb restrictions or anything like that. But for the most part, it's just an Android app. And in fact, most of their samples are in um, C++. So you're not even using Java. They're just like, here's how to do C++. If you want to use a higher level engine, that's kind of all up to you. Yeah, I'm looking here. They have a mobile development with Unity, system requirements, device setup, Oculus Go, Gear VR. Seems as if, the mobile SDK, whatever Oculus is doing, has it all set up here. And there's yeah, going to more things, toggle on developer mode. Now you're a developer on your <laughs> Oculus <Yeah>. Go. Uh, <laughs> so have you have you messed around with creating virtual reality software? Seems as if this is a passion for you, even before the podcast. You said, I don't play a lot of games, but I do play a lot of VR games where it takes me into another dimension. So have you explored yeah. this space much or are you just playing? Gosh, you know, I I wish I could say that I did something real with it, but unfortunately, it's just been more of a hobby than anything else. I haven't really released any apps or done anything that I think is too impressive (laughs) in the space. You know, I'm mostly just kind of keeping up with the state of the art and just kind of enjoying what's going on. Um, I don't know. I've just, 
ever since I saw Lawnmower Man and <laughs> I think in college, the army came to my college and I got to do like a really bad army VR thing where they're like, this is how we're going to train soldiers. And everyone's like, well, these are going to be terrible soldiers because this thing is terrible. <laughs> but, you know, flight simulators, all that kind of stuff. Haven't, haven't you just yeah, wanted to enter a little virtual world, play around in it? Well, I always have. I remember going into the arcade. It's sort of silly. And you can go back in time, all of our listeners, and listen to episode Merge Conflict 14, stumbling into VR. Now it's falling over into VR. (laughs) Stumbling into VR, falling over while playing VR. The... For me, it was always about going into the arcade and seeing those crazy, wacky helmets that you could like lift down and enter and you would be shooting a tank essentially for all, you know, for, for, for trying to blow up stuff and you could swivel and then it would swivel and you're like, Whoa, look at me swivel. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that was kind of the, Oh wow, this is something that seems really cool. But then when you get into it, it wasn't very cool. So that was the the problem. You get really (laughs) sick. So it seems as if now when I talk to people, the shorter experiences, doing these things are are really engaging. The problem I've always had, which I think is what we talked about two years ago on the podcast, is that I don't have the space for it. I literally just don't have the space for it, even in my new apartment. And that becomes the issue for me. So unless it becomes a more contained experience, which perhaps this Go device is, and maybe I should look into one of those just to give it a try, because I didn't want to create another world by slapping my cell phone into it with the the Google Daydream device. Yeah. I had that and I got rid of it. And I was like, I don't want to take out my phone, put in my phone. If I get a new phone, it's not going to work in the thing. I wanted something dedicated. So perhaps the Go is something that is going to transform my point of view. You know, um, we're turning this into a giant commercial now, and I apologize to anyone who is sensitive to branding and all that, but it just has really good industrial design. Um when you're using it, it works. And then you take it off. I never hit the off button or anything. It just automatically turns off because it's a good little Samsung phone or whatever it is in there. You know, it's just all the nice features of a modern um, cell phone. It just has. So it's just a good device. You put it on your head. It turns on kind of instantly. Then you scramble around, try to find the remote, try to unfog the lens a little bit. But, you know, it just works. And that's why earlier I said, um, is it a feature or a bug that it's only three degrees of freedom? Because you're absolutely right. I can play this thing just sitting at the desk. If I just want to like be dumb for a minute, I can you know, take my hands off the keyboard, put on the little goggles, and go into a little VR world and race around in a little spaceship without having to get off the chair, which that sounds terrible and civilization is going to collapse and it's all the Wally world now, but whatever. It's going to be fun. So is is two years looking back. So two years ago, we talked about VR and that was PlayStation VR, which it, for for looking at the statistics, I don't want to say PlayStation VR was sort of a failure, but you don't really hear about it very much. A lot of discount racks, just saying the Rift still expensive Vive seems to be fiddle, you know, kind of not doing much. Where do we sit going into 29 in the VR space? Obviously, Google hasn't doubled down on it. Uh, Apple has not doubled down on it. Everyone seems to be doubling down on AR, which seems to be the hotness that we can't not talk about almost every other week here on the podcast. <laughs> so what is what is the state of VR? Is it still just a gimmick? 
going into 2019? No, it's not a gimmick. There's way too many fun use cases. I mean, even the stupid demos that it ships with, you know, five minute little videos where you enter a little 3D world and watch a Pixar ripoff movie, but you're in the little Pixar movie now. It's very immersive. It's all the you know, it's what a 3D movie you kind of wish it was. You know, you go to the theater and you're like, oh, it's going to be in 3D. And then you realize you're just looking down at a little game board of a movie and it feels weird. But in this, you're actually in the world and you're playing along with the hedgehog and doing all the things. And I think the applications are just too good. Um, <laughs> I mean, just for flight simulators and things like that. It's, it's an obvious technology and it has actual industrial application. But in the consumer world, it's it's all still just those Android devices, like you were saying. Um, I think they're winning it right now. Maybe we're waiting for an Apple disruption. I don't know. Maybe Apple doesn't care about VR. Obviously, they're kind of all in on AR, as you said, right now. I don't know. I, I like to think that the two worlds are going to coexist nicely because AR is just going to be some sunglasses that I wear, hopefully, or maybe some contacts or something like cool like that. But VR is just going to be for your industrial applications, your true escapism, where you really want to watch a movie and be in that world. Yeah, my father-in-law, or soon-to-be father-in-law, I should say, he was in town this weekend and he was asking me about what does Microsoft do in this space? He, he was intrigued by, or maybe it was my brother-in-law, soon-to-be brother-in-law. One of the two, they were asking me about that state. And I go, well... You know, we're more about this business applications with mixed reality and that world and educational things where a lot of the world seems to be focused on VR, even augmented reality and phones. And like, oh, what's the what's the difference? What do you mean by that? And I go, well, it's very simple. You're talking about this world that surrounds you. And I gave them the setup of of this game that I was playing, the super hot game where all of the walls, everything is fully encompassed. I don't get to see anything around me it's it's yeah. it's all around me i can't see where i'm at in real time it's an immersive experience which has some unique parts to it because you can craft everything that you see you don't have to worry about the environment you have to worry about flat surfaces you're creating those flat surfaces in the game where augmented reality is peering through the world and then the mixed reality is sort of the hybrid between the two and people are probably yelling at me about the mixed reality but they're like, oh, well, what's the play there? Why doesn't Microsoft just do VR? And I go, well, I, I don't I don't have literally any inside baseball at all. But I can say that from the looks of all of the use cases that I've seen for these glasses, I said, the problem is these glasses, no matter your AR, VR, MR, any of the R's, the problem is the goggles. And yeah. The problem is that the goggles had to be attached to the computer. So now we're detaching it from the computer, but now we have these big things on our head. And then it, if you're in the business, you can't just strap these big things onto your head and not work. You need to be able to work. So you then introduce what we've been trying to do. And we, I mean, Microsoft, I am not part of this division at all. I assume this is what they're trying to do is blend that business use case and other medium use case. They usually show a business case of designing a studio or overlaying parts in a uh, educational environment or something like that until like uh, educate, you know, education where there's like the human body and they're, you know, in some bio class or something like that. That's probably not yeah. bio, but whatever it is. And, <laughs> and anatomy, I think, I guess that would be <laughs> anatomy class. My sister's going to yell at me. She's a nurse. So like, oh, that's not what it is. Uh, and, and 
And that's where the play there, because I think that's where the enterprise would be looking. I don't know if they're looking for a VR situation necessarily. And what you just said with the glasses, like, oh, one day AR is just going to be this overlay. And I think the AR MR will get closer when it is just, I said, once it's a contact, I always envision this world of, I put a contact lens in and boom, the whole world, mm-hmm. the Terminator, right? You turn to Terminator. <laughs> Absolutely. Effect, like, without the violence, but you get the overlays and the you know, minority report craziness going on. And that, that's always what I envisioned going on there. Well- and I, I, to, just to play off that, I hope we have different sunglasses, though. So, like, mm. these are the sunglasses that put you in the World of Warcraft world. And these are the sunglasses that put you into Grand Theft Auto. Go rob that car, you know, fun things like that. Um, but I hope that the future devices do blend AR and VR. I hope materials, science, and I'm sure it will, because, you know, can't stop technology, um, that we'll be able to create some device that can be both AR and VR, even if it means blacking out the world and projecting the real world into VR, you know, dumb tricks like that. But seeing people walk around with their eyes fully covered right now is a real social no-no. It just looks so strange. But I, And I don't imagine a future where people will be doing that. So hopefully we'll just have the sunglasses that can switch between the modes. Not everyone wants to wear contacts, James. That's true. I mean, just that is the technology could get that good. I always, I always envisioned this world. So when I think beyond the three degrees of, what did you call it? Three degrees of freedom. Of freedom. Uh, do you mean the the head, uh, the orientation tracking of the head? Yeah, precisely. I always thought that beyond that, what these devices and what this world that we would create would look like are a lot of complementary information that's being overlaid. So for instance, right now I had to drive around a bunch. So I had to go into my, my phone. I had to find the destination. I had to click on the thing. I had to put the phone down in the bottom. You know, I didn't have this context. There's no fancy navigation system. You know, I need to look up something. I had to go to the, I'm fiddling. It feels very archaic in a way. And (laughs) maybe this venture that we're going into and what I would hope to challenge this industry is to solve those other problems through some of these mediums. And Google Glass was like a very interesting approach to it. And I sort of like that, but it needs to be, you know, kind of foundational to replacing parts of our cell phone in our daily life. But I want to be able to easily turn it off. I think for me, when I think of, are we going into a ready player one situation, which is very scary mm-hmm. in the world. That's what we kind of talk this immersive world. And I have these goggles for Warcraft and this, I'm like, oh gosh, here we go. Now we're in a <laughs> oasis all of a sudden. Uh, yeah. you know, I, I think of this world where it's, what I want is I almost feel like we went too far, too fast creating this VR and these MR and these AR experiences. I just wanted a little bit here and a little bit here. Like, can we start slower to have these complimentary services and maybe i'm just getting old frank and i don't need the whiz bangs and the 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 who's what's of the world but i just want some things that make my life easier yeah for sure um hmm, too far too fast and when you said that i immediately thought of um second life do you remember that one oh yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so that was trying to create a metaverse and it was fully immersive you hop in you can create things you can script things you own them you can transact it was huge and complicated and um it had a following for a little bit of while but 
has totally died off. I don't know anyone in the VR space actually playing in it or anything like that. And I feel like that was a funny example where too far too fast because it turns out what's popular in the VR world are $5, $10 games that last for about five hours. It's not a metaverse. We're not entering the matrix or anything like that. We're just it's a better way to game, honestly. <laughs> I think that that's um, just one of its easiest selling cases right now, uh, aside from all those wonderful industrial applications you mentioned. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a different approach to gaming. I, I look at how I play my Switch or how I play mobile games. I don't really play mobile games at all. But I think about, it. would it even be super fun to play Super Hot, which they do have a normal PC game on, what does that look like playing it not in VR? And I don't, I, mm -hmm. it probably would be fun, but the VR experience amps it up into this other crazy dimension where it feels very crafted into where it's like someone remembered playing laser tag for the first time. Like we're going to just create <laughs> that in a game, you know what I mean? And, and yeah. that is kind of mind blowing to me. And that can only be done in the real world or in a VR experience. It's bringing the real world yeah. into this. Like, that makes sense. It's the real, the real world and the virtual world. See, it's VR reality. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You're trying, man. I don't know. I don't know. Plus, I, I love the, like um, that Unity and Unreal are actually kind of so easy to use that pretty much anyone can walk into making games now. So everything that I've bought has been the cheap games, all the indie people, all the short games, where it's more of a concept or a ripoff of a concept, someone trying to do something fun here or there. Those have been the ones I've been really interested in. On the Rift, I bought one gigantic $70 game to go like fly in space in this giant universe and trade and blow things up. And man, I get so sick playing that game. <laughs> They still haven't solved the um, fatigue issue. And you actually really do notice the difference between good programmers and bad programmers when you play games, because if they're not hitting that frame rate or, you know, their texture mapping's bad or, you know, any any little error can really just drive you nuts in that virtual world. Come destroy the illusion and honestly make you sick. <laughs> so I've seen your AR games that you've created. My question oh, yeah. and, and prompt to you is do augmented reality games play well in the VR space? And do you envision any of your game or ideas venturing into that space? <sighs> yeah, no, <laughs> we're just not there yet. Um, I, 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 so yes, you can fake anything. So the uh, the Oculus Quest that's coming out has like four cameras on it. And I'm sure you'd be able to tap into that camera and blend the AR world into the VR world. But no, um, they're, they're just two distinct experiences right now. I think the fun part of an AR experience in the gaming world is to get people to go out and play. You know, go find parks and mm. go find interesting things in your city or your town or something like that. For me, that's what I want out of an AR game. In a VR game, I want the opposite. I want to like create a private little sandbox for me to go destroy things in and go have fun in. You know, um, maybe that's just me though. Maybe that's my broken psyche. I just I see them as two distinct uh, 
play types. Gotcha. Gotcha. So are you going to now venture in in any aspect to creating VR games? Now we've talked about the state of VR for mm-hmm. in the future of VR. Mm-hmm. When we talk about development of <laughs> VR. Are you going to bust out yeah. some C++ over here for your go? Uh, okay. So you want to know the honest truth is if I did it, I think I would actually do it in web VR, which is a JavaScript way of doing it. And it's just simpler. Uh, you're not dealing with all the Android foibles. Uh, you can just put up a web page and put everything there. Uh, this is another area where WebAssembly and all that is going to be great fun <laughs> because you could totally do that for programming also. But I think um, it, it's a tricky situation because if I actually wanted to sell something, then I actually do have to write an Android app and get it approved and get it put onto the store. But if I want to just make something for fun to share with friends... And so isn't that always the dilemma, James, for us is like, is this something I monetize or is this a fun hobby project? It's just the age old question. And I've never been able to promote any of my AR VR stuff to uh, a full uh, <laughs> uh, charging people for it status. But I want to. There's a, a style game that I love. It's um, you're in a little spaceship and there's like a maze in front of you and you have to fly around like the original Descent. There was a game called Sky Roads. The one in VR that I like is called Space Maze or something. I don't even remember <laughs> the name. You know, they, they all have the same name. But I love them because they're fast. They remind me of the arcade, just like you were talking about earlier. It was like one of those cockpit games I remember getting into. You'd fly through a tunnel, and it was super fun and cool. So I just I love those games. So I think if I did a game, I would do uh, an, homage, an homage to one of those and just try to do the best version of it I can. I want to create, we should collaborate on something so all yeah. our listeners can play something for us. But I Do wanna, you like racing games too? Are, I, you a, are you a racer? I do like racing games, but I have a better idea for VR. Are you ready? Oh, okay. Give it to me. I want to create a VR text-based adventure. But okay. <laughs> hear me out. <laughs> I uh, don't know, man. <laughs> imagine, you know Zork. I know the Zork. Okay. So- uh, Zork is like a very classic text adventure from a long time ago. So people, people may not know. People may not know. When I was I never, creating, I never got far in it. I was bad at it. Oh, I, I was terrible. I was terrible. And I created a series of text adventures, interactive text Ooh. command line adventures in high school, specifically called nice. Dungeon Quest, which was a, a dungeon nice. with ASCII art explore. Now, what I think would be cool, <laughs> Frank, hear me out here, and whoever wants mm. to take this and build this. Go for it because I'll probably never do it. But imagine that you start by launching into a text-based adventure where all of the things are there. And then in VR, as you're reading the story, it's coming to life around you. Wow. But it's still text-based. Are you still... I'm so confused though. Is it like a rogue? Is it a top-down? Do I get like a Zelda view or do I not get a Zelda view? Both. You get oh a, my god, James! You get a top down, so you can see the <laughs> overarching world of what you're exploring. But as you're exploring, like you go into the, but it's all text based. That's the important part. Is that the core aspect of it is the text based adventure. Let's make this happen, I, Frank. I, 2019. I think you're missing the immersive part of the VR experience. But draw me some pictures. <laughs> maybe we'll, we'll we'll talk it out. Maybe this. Maybe we need a drink for this one. Most likely, if you want I, this, I get your full idea. Text text adventure. You let me know. We'll hash it out. I don't understand VR. That's what the moral of this story is. 
If anyone's creating VR adventure games, I would love to know. I think it'd be pretty fun to understand if you've got an Oculus Go, what you think if you're into development, tell us how it went. Uh, just in general, you can reach out to us at MergeConflict.fm on the Twitters or MergeConflict.fm. That's our website. Are there more VR stuff you want to talk about, Frank? This is like a mini VR. This is, you know, we bought, we're start slow in the new year, Frank. We got to ease into it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm still hungover. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> Hope this was entertaining no, for somebody. I don't know. It's entertaining for me, at least. There's got to be one other person out there that plays VR. It can't just be me. Really? Maybe it could just be me. It may just be you. But I do want to give okay. our listeners a sneak peek for next week because I, I was going to turn this episode into this, but I want to give Frank time for next week's oh, God behind the scenes exclusive merge conflict episode 132 it is a sit down interview with frank krueger where frank krueger tells us about his life his business and his adventure into being a solo developer i'm very excited that's next week on merge conflict you can subscribe so you don't miss episode 132 at mergeconflict.fm and all of your favorite podcast applications that's going to do it for this week frank thank you so much for venturing into this reality of virtual reality with me and until next time, I'm James Montemagno. And I'm Frank Krueger. Thanks for listening. Peace. Peace.